Hello, everyone. Welcome to Semper Connected. On today's episode, we're sitting down with uh, the Mickrick Marketing Chief, Master Sergeant Jeremiah Bentz. He uh, is the subject matter expert on pretty much all things marketing and advertising at the national level. Though he has the foresight and the uh, initiative to look ahead and look at the deep fight, look over the horizon, his heart is really rooted in the tactical level fight. A lot of the decisions that are made up here, uh, he's faced between a, a bad decision or a worse decision. And so often when decisions are made, we're like, why did we do that? Well, that's really the best option that we had compared to the other option. And so we got him on the show. We're going to talk to him about some marketing efforts, some of our advertising efforts, try and flatten the communication channels and get all the way down to the recruiters. Some of the things that he might talk about, senior leaders at various conferences or events have probably heard this, and you may have heard it from them. Uh, however, sometimes communication break down as it gets down to the lower levels, and so we've got the, uh, the subject matter expert on today, so you can hear it from, from his mouth to your ears. And also, as a great source for follow-up, I'll provide some of his information. So if you're an XO out there or a marketing guru at the RS level and you need to reach out to him, you can do so. Obviously, be mindful that there's other channels through your district and through your regions to get to the national level. However, in an effort to speed things up and flatten communications, he is always available to at least answer any of your questions and hear any of your thoughts. Without further ado, we got Master Sergeant Bentz. Morning, sir. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm glad uh, Christmas is over. Got through the uh, the wave of traffic here in the uh, I-95 corridor. I can finally go uh, do some shopping for myself and without getting run over by all the uh, angry Christmas shoppers. That's a fact. How was uh, how was your Christmas, by the way? Uh, it wasn't too bad. We just kind of hung out in the area, cooked a uh, cooked a good prime rib, spent an inordinate amount of time putting together Hot Wheels car, car tracks for my kid. You know, pretty yeah. normal. I remember those days uh, with the babies. Got to stay up till two in the morning, three in the morning, putting all that stuff together just to go to bed and be woke up at five in the morning because they're excited. Santa Claus came. Exactly right. <laughs> all right. Uh, for for the listeners out there. You know, his name is Jeremiah Bentz. You can find him on Facebook. He's he's always open to accepting new friend requests. That's a good way to flatten the comms and be able to communicate directly to him. I use it so I can track whether or not he's in the building. Uh, he travels a lot. He's either at the uh, ad agency down in Atlanta with WT, or he's out at various events providing some training and some sustainment support uh, to advance marketing and advertising efforts. Uh the last time I saw you, you were out somewhere with some Marines providing some training. Can you give me some insight on what type of training you're doing when you go out and about and you hit the tactical level? What is it that you're you're providing training on? Um, so we go uh, kind of pre-scheduled my annual training plan. I go out and I do uh, we, we do some stuff in the headquarters, but I basically do a ride along week uh, with each of the district marketing chiefs at a predetermined time. Then we have some follow ups throughout the year. But uh, probably the most eventful one. I was just out with the fourth district a couple weeks ago. Uh, we did a day or two in their district headquarters. And then from Harrisburg, we drove up to Cleveland. Uh, the RI up there had asked us to come and do uh, DE certifications for some of the older 12s. Um, as you know, sir, we do it in CRC now. Uh, but some of the cats they had up there, you know, they've been around for a while. Um, and that wasn't part of the curriculum when they became 12. So we went up and did those. And then on the way back through, uh, Chief Warrant Officer Martinez, the OPSO in uh, Pittsburgh, asked me to swing by their all hands and uh, give them an update and do some training on squad bay. So it's kind of, um, it's at the behest of the RS, you know, whatever they're, uh, they're asking for. I'm, I'm 
happy and willing to support if I'm going to be able to be there. Um, but it's, it's usually things like that related to DE curriculum tools. Um, every once in a while, they'll ask for a program brief, kind of similar to what I do for RMC to kind of give them a overview of this is how it's structured, why the strategy is the way it is, those types of things. Okay. Hey, thanks for that. You said a couple acronyms on there that I want to unpack or at least let the audience know what they are. You, you mentioned the word DE, mm-hmm. uh, digital engagement. Yep. Yes, and, sir. And then CRC, the career recruiter course. And so I'll start at the, at the front CRC. When, when an 8411 decides to become an 8412, they submit their package, it's vetted, and then they're approved for the lap move into the 8412 MOS. They are then put on a list of people that need to go through the career recruiter course. While they're at career recruiter course, they get a, a lot of additional training, some supplemental training, some enforced and some re, uh, reinforced training, but that's their first certification in digital engagement. Is that correct? That is. Yes, sir. Can So as a command group, when I send someone to, to CRC and they come back with this digital engagement certification, what does that entail? What does that give me? So the digital engagement curriculum, they get certified on, uh, there's two packages. What they get at the career recruiters course is the sustainment curriculum, which uh, it's broken down into modules. There's a short module. It's a little over an hour long uh, that's programmed in as part of PAR proficiency and review training for new recruiters. Um, that is tailor made to build off of what recruiters receive at the basic recruiter course. Um, and then the second module which is titled Core Competencies, is a a longer module designed to be given to a recruiter that's in their eval cycle um, and kind of gets into the the sets and reps of how can digital engagement uh, support my activities through all eight steps of the enlisted recruiting process. So one of the things we try and kind of hammer home with the uh, the new 8412s is we use the term digital engagement uh, on purpose. We don't call it social media training. Um, most people default to social media, right? They think about Facebook, they think about Instagram. Um, but really, especially in, in 2022, um, when you think about things like uh, Squad Bay is a good example or any of the tools that people are using to maintain group chats, WhatsApp, GroupMe, uh, prospecting tools like TextRecruit, um, none of those things are really social media in the traditional sense of the word, but they're all digital engagement, right? So we're trying to get them to think about the fact that yeah, we have this social media thing. Yeah, it involves prospecting, but really we're using digital engagement tools in all aspects of recruiting, uh, not just prospecting and trying to make those 8412s, those new ones at, at the course, um, understand that so that they can learn how to leverage those things to help the entire process, not just that that digital communication uh, prospecting piece. Okay, thanks for that uh, overview on the uh, digital engagement curriculum. You said that that is the sustainment package that they receive at, at career recruit course. Yes. To have a sustainment package, there must've been an introduction or, or an orientation course is where is that? So at basic recruiter course, there's, it used to be a single module. It's actually split in half now. Um, but new, uh, basic recruiter course students trying to become 8411s during the, the front half of the course, they're given kind of an introductory module, which is, you know, policies, these are things that can get you in trouble, you know, the kind of the, the drier stuff. Once they get a little bit deeper in the course and they've been through uh, Marine Corps product knowledge, MC3, those types of things, the second module they get at BRC goes into content creation. How do I engage someone in conversation, those types of things. And then as, as of this last BRC course that just graduated, 
they're actually being taught and utilizing squad bay throughout the entire curriculum, um, not just for group chats, but also, you know, how do I use digital collateral at the close of a sales presentation? How do I, you know, help someone go through their resource library and understand the things that they need to learn or know to, to go to recruit training and be successful? Um, so there's, there's a pretty healthy dose of it in recruiter school. And then the sustainment curriculum, just like the, the MC3 modules is, is made to build upon that once they get to the RS. Okay. Are, are there any 12s? And we've been doing the digital engagement package for some years now. I suspect that there are some 84 12s out there that are in this, this space where they came through before it was introduced at BRC. And then they show up to CRC and they're getting the sustainment. How are we ensuring that that person is getting that that introductory uh, course to begin with, right? So that they understand the policy, the drier stuff that you spoke of, but then they also understand the the, the back end stuff that's taught at the at, towards the end of BRC. So a lot of it mirrors over, uh, not quite as a one to one, but I'll kind of give them. Um, I don't necessarily teach the BRC modules, but I'll give them kind of a walkthrough of this is what's talked about and show how it maps over to the sustainment stuff. The the real big takeaways um, in the curriculum, it, it talks a lot about something called the SAP filter, security, accuracy, propriety, and policy, which is a, a big DOD thing that applies to, to social media endeavors. Um, that's something that they're going to teach in the sustainment package, but it's something that their students would have been exposed to before. Um, so it's not... It's not necessarily that the sustainment packages are introducing any new information. It's just giving them that refresher after BRC and kind of repackaging it a little bit. Okay. I understand. So if I didn't go through BRC and get that type of training showing up to the career recruiter course or at some point where I get that sustainment package, I'm not in a Delta. There's not a a gap that that needs to be covered first. No, not, not really. I mean, there'll be a couple questions maybe in, um, a lot of those, if that RS has been teaching the digital engagement sustainment stuff like they're supposed to, uh, the students show up and they're, they're usually cruising pretty good. Um, every once in a while, we still have some folks that haven't seen it before, um, and they have a little bit harder time, but it's, it's not hard curriculum to learn. So, Okay. So I go to BRC, and I'm introduced to the digital engagement package. And then you mentioned something, as long as they're hitting that sustainment training throughout their eval process, and this is for situational awareness for some other listeners, whether you're a recruiter or a command group member, I'm confident that the recruiting instructors know this and and the 8412s within an RS. So I leave BRC having been given an introductory course into digital engagement throughout the nine-month evaluation process. What is, what, what by, by rule, by policy, what type of training is that recruiter supposed to get to reinforce or sustain what was taught at BRC related to digital engagement? So you're going to get the review module during PAR training, right? That introductory module. And then the second module, the core competencies module is designed to be given during the eval process. Uh, If I remember right, it's between the three month and six month eval. But that module is also kind of the the annual sustainment, annual training requirement, right? So um, regardless of whether or not I'm in my eval process, I should probably be seeing that about once a year. So your average recruiter is probably going to see that module probably three times by the time they, you know, come on the duty and go through their three years and rotate out. Okay. When, since you don't teach at BRC, that the modules were created and the instructors out there deliver that content. When students arrive at career recruiter course, you do deliver that package, correct? I do. Yes, sir. 
what are some of the common questions that you get from students that might be of value to the audience? Um, I still have students showing up that, uh, and we see this with some coming out of uh, recruiter school too. Um, you'll get a lot of folks that are hung up on the, I need to have my own personal stuff and then like a professional presence or a professional profile. Um, certain platforms will let you do that. You know, Instagram, you can do that. Snapchat, you can do that. Um, but Facebook and some others, um, one, there are terms of service with that platform that they say that that's not authorized. So they could potentially, um, you know, shut down one or both of your, your profiles. And then two, we spend a lot of time talking about the perception that that gives, right? So something that is, is common, not only with the, the influencers we deal with, but definitely the folks we're recruiting today is they live kind of in this, this digital native environment, right? And they are not adverse to sharing elements of their lives like an older generation would be, right? So if I'm, you know, applicant Timmy or Susie, and I happen to stumble across a recruiter on, you know, insert platform of choice, and I can clearly see that there's two disparate profiles there. One is locked down, but I can tell it's the same person through a photo, whatever. And one is entirely open, but that profile is nothing but, you know, dress blues, screaming eagles and, and motivation, um, the perception that that puts off to an applicant or to that applicant's influencers is that that individual has something to hide, right? They don't understand why they're, they're trying to do that. Um, and so we have some folks coming out of the schoolhouse sometimes or even showing up to CRC that it's kind of a generational thing, a comfort thing. Um, and at the end of the day, if you know how to use the platforms, right, you don't need to do that. Um, and then to your point earlier, you know, I've, don't know how many people are, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or whatever, uh, followers or friends of mine that they just happen to be someone that wears dress blues and is, is assigned to Marine Corps recruiting. And I've never talked to them before. Right. But to your point, they may have a question. They may want to reach out at some point. And there's nothing that I would put on any of my properties that I would have an issue with, with somebody seeing. Right. So that's kind of one of those things that we're continuously having to address uh, because one, it can cause some issues with the platforms themselves. And two, when you think about the the perception that that gives, you know, you've got, uh, um, you've got kids that are recruitable age, right? And if one of your children was to come home and say, hey, dad, I talked to a recruiter today. I'm kind of thinking about doing this thing. And you were to go do some of your own personal research, which I'm sure you would as a, as a concerned father. And you came across, you know, profile A and profile B, and one's locked down, but you can see it's clearly the same dude. And one is obviously solely set up for recruiting purposes. Um, that just, it causes unnecessary questions in your head as a parent, I think. Or well, I would think me. you're living a, a double life, right? Right. If, uh, you know, whether it's the president or your, your church pastor or, or local leader, if, if I did the same for them and they had two profiles, I would have some concerns, right? Is the persona that you're putting out in the public wildly different from who you really are. Right. And, you know, you pointed out that it's kind of generational, right? There were, when, when social media first came out, when digital engagement was new to recruiting, there were some of us that did create multiple profiles. Uh, and it was exactly that. We don't want everybody seeing who we really are, but the truth is this newer generation, they came up with one profile. They, they are who they are and, uh, they're willing to, to put that out there. And you, you can't have two profiles. One, you mentioned the terms of service. You know, Twitter, you can have multiple handles. Instagram, you can do it. Snapchat, you can do it. 
Facebook, you cannot. LinkedIn, you cannot. But the point is, why would you need multiple? Right. right. Unless you're running a business business where it's just fully business stuff, fully personal stuff. But why would you lock one down over the other? Right. Right. They, and what's the value, though, in them actually seeing your real life? Right. Kids open and present, seeing that you're a mom, you're a dad, you're taking care of your. I, I would want them to see that, too, that I'm a natural person and not just some machine that the stereotype would put out there. Well, and that's, I mean, even if you put it into, into older terms, you know, I, I came up on wooden boxes and index cards, like some of the listeners probably did. But, um, even then, you know, we were told, Hey, have, you know, pictures of your family in the office, put stuff in your Marine Corps enlisted opportunities book. Um, that isn't just Marine Corps related, but cool stuff that you did in your off time while you're on liberty on, on leave, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's just in a different medium because it's, you know, 2022 and we have smartphones now. Right. All right. Thank you. In, in talking, you, you mentioned something about when you go into digital engagement one or the intro at BRC, kind of talking about some of the policies, some of the things that you can do, some of the things that you can't do. As a user of all things digital, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are too, there are probably some laws that restrict our ability to navigate through those channels that say Nike or Reebok might not be held to, right? Yep. Can you talk about some of the differences between, you know, corporate America and what we can do, what our restrictions are, and then ways in which Micric is, is advocating on the behalf of recruiters to kind of open up some of those restrictions so that we have a fair shot at marketing in the 20, you know, the 21st century as well. Uh, sure. So there's, there's kind of two halves to that. Uh, the, the more tactically minded one, we get asked a lot, a lot about uh, uh, boosting content or targeted social media campaigns, right? Um, Facebook, well, Meta, right? So the, the company that owns Facebook and Instagram both, uh, they actually have something, and it's been in place for a couple of years now, called the uh, HEC policy, and it stands for Housing, Employment, and Credit. And basically, their policy is that if you are offering opportunities in those three categories, housing, employment, or credit, you are not allowed to target by any type of demographic, whether it's age, gender, ethnicity, any of that. Um, so all of our targeting, we have to use something called a like audience, right? So I'll pick a, a location, you know, Stafford, Virginia, and say, hey, within 15 miles of Stafford, Virginia, anyone that likes endurance running, I want to serve them an ad, right? Because people that like endurance running, they're probably going to, you know, associate with some things that the Marine Corps would find valuable. The downside of that is within 15 miles of Stafford, Virginia, I'm going to be serving ads to a whole lot of people that are outside of my age demographic, right? Um, maybe not necessarily qualified or inclined towards military service, may not be the gender that I'm trying to, to, to build business for. Um, so something that we're continuously trying to make people understand is that, you know, the days of saying, hey, I want to target this zip code and this type of person we can't do that because we're viewed as an employer by the, uh, by the, those companies. Um, something that changed recently. I mean, not, not overly recent. It's been in place for about a year. Um, but on Instagram specifically, if someone, when they register, uh, is registered as a minor, right? So under 18 and you are not a minor. Um, and I attempt to send them a message, a direct message, they're never going to receive that unless we're mutual followers, right? So that old practice of, you know, going down my list and kind of cold call DC and, you know, 500 people. 
Um, if they're not 18, they're not going to get that message and I'm not going to get any point of feedback. Right. And that was kind of one of those policy changes that happened overnight that if you're not aware of, um, could definitely impact a recruiter's uh, perception on the effectiveness of their efforts. You know, if 90% of my list is 17, they're never going to see my prospecting attempt. So understanding the platforms is part of it. Um, if I flip the script and I go to, you know, kind of big blue arrow stuff, um, recently the, uh, the NDAA national defense authorization authorization act was signed. Um, and for a couple of years now we have been working with, uh, the office of legislative affairs and some other folks. So when you talk about a normal commercial brand, a, a Nike an Amazon, a Ford, a Best Buy, whatever, um, they are allowed to use these massive, uh, consumer behavioral databases to help target their marketing efforts. Right. So in a very, you know, kind of grossly oversimplified term, I could say, hey, someone that went on Amazon and searched for a George Foreman grill and also happened to go to the Ford website and look at F-150s is very, very likely to want to look at, you know, shotguns as an example. And as a result, that algorithm can feed that individual a shotgun ad. Um, This is what leads to the perception that a lot of people have that, you know, their phones are listening to them and all these other things. They are. And they, they very well may be. They very well may be. But... Um, the ability to take these different data points from, you know, all these different inputs, whether it's your media consumption habits, your shopping habits, um, you know, before the show, you mentioned your, your reward shopper card at whatever your grocery outlet is of choice. All of those things are registered the same email address, right? So if I'm a smart marketer and I have access to all that information, I can start to kind of connect the dots on some things and build personas around the type of person that likes these things. Um, normal consumer marketers have been able to do that for years, uh, which is why they're very successful. They spend a lot of money doing it too. Um, but we have not been able to use any of that type of information because it falls under the same policies that govern, you know, the U S government's ability to conduct things like wiretapping or surveillance, right? They kind of view it as the same thing. Um, so our big win this year is we finally got some some limited kind of test case language in this year's uh, NDAA that says that we are allowed to start uh, some test programs uh, at in doing those types of things, uh, but we're still waiting to hear back from the office of Sec- uh, office of Secretary of Defense to tell us you know what types of information we are and are not allowed to utilize and in what ways. So. Um, the initial chop, you know, our ad agency, Wonderman Thompson, they're looking at some things with our paid media plans and how to, how to maybe attempt to target those a little bit better. Uh, but until we hear back from OSD, we're, we're still kind of, we're thinking of ideas. We just don't, don't know which ones we're going to be able to press the go button on or not. Yeah. I appreciate you unpacking that a little bit. You know, I'm one of those conspiracy minded folks that think Alexa and Siri's all listening to me. And the truth is they probably are because they have to listen. Otherwise, when you hit the wake up word, they wouldn't be ready. Right. right. But it does make sense that if I go on Google and search for a product and then I watch Netflix and get fed an ad from there, that some database knows what I searched for on Google. They know exactly what ad I just saw on Netflix. They have access to my loyalty card at my local grocery store. So they know what products I'm already buying and they can calculate based on those three data sets, what I might be prompted to buy next and then feed that to me and create an awareness of a need that I didn't even know I need. It's almost as if they know me better than I know myself. That that's, that's a thing. Yep. And 
if we can get to that for recruiting, right, now we can actually talk to people that are inclined to talk to us, vice targeting everybody, even those that want nothing to do with us. Right. And, and, and while there, there's value in talking to everyone, because you can generate or create an awareness of needs that they didn't know existed, it would really be helpful if we could use that data to target people that are propensed and, and highly likely to, to want to hear our conversation. Yeah. Some of it's that. And then some of it's also making sure that they, that they receive the message that resonates with them at the right time. Right. So, um, and I know you want to talk about it, so it's kind of a good segue, but the, uh, the new ad that we just launched uh, just a couple months ago, shifting threats is the name of the campaign. Um, it's kind of, you know, you got some Marines doing a amphibious landing. There's kind of some pixelated morphology that the terrain's changing. Um, you know, there's some high Mars that we slipped in there. Um, there's a F 35 strike on a, on a ship kind of towards the tail end. Um, but really when you kind of break that down, there are elements of different types of mission sets in there, right? So there's a, a particular scene, uh, where you can see Marines helping civilians onto the back of a V 22, um, kind of in the vein of a, a humanitarian assistance disaster relief effort. Um, that is a particular mission set that as a crisis response force, the Marine Corps is responsible for, right? So we're never going to shy away from, you know, make a Marines win in battles and return quality citizens. That, that's what we do. But there could be a time where that HADR scene is more appropriate given the context of where it's being introduced than say the F-35 strike on the ship or vice versa, right? And there's also elements in that uh, that focus, you know, kind of on drones and advanced technology, which is a priority for Force Design 2030, but is also something that might be more appropriate, you know, embedded with a certain type of media. Um, So some of this, you know, multi-touch attribution and some of this crazy marketing voodoo that we're hoping to get to will allow us to place elements of our overarching campaigns in places it, with a target demographic that are most likely to resonate with that. Thank you for that. And yes, I did want to talk about the new commercial and kind of some of the thought that went into those scenes. And what I really like about these commercials and you, you highlighted it is there's different segments within the commercial that speak to different mission sets that the Marine Corps is responsible for. How, how could a recruiter, right? One, they have access to that commercial 24 seven, correct? Now that it's national, they can go on YouTube or somewhere and play that video at will. Correct. Yep. Would it be smart for a recruiter potentially, you know, before they do an interview during the interview, after the interview, like how could I use that commercial to talk about like the kid probably saw the commercial. Maybe they picked some of that out, but they probably didn't. They just thought it was cool. You know, how could a recruiter walk through each of those segments and hit like watch that pause? Okay. What do you see there? Okay. This is how the Marine Corps does humanitarian assistance response. And this is part of our title 10 responsibilities, X, Y, Z. Then the next, you know, we got the drones going up doing the, uh, the counter to, uh, jamming or whatever they're doing. Talk about that. And then kind of talk about the emerging threats of a, of a peer competitor with ships and how we're using technology and F 35s to eliminate that threat. One, have you ever seen recruiters break the commercial down like that for an applicant and kind of walk through that as part of the, the sales process? And then two, if, if you haven't seen it, would you recommend it? Um, so I haven't seen it, um, and I do think it's a, it's a good idea. And really a lot of it, 
I, I think there's value in being able to explain that the Marine Corps does different things, right? And we have some we have some other assets out there, sales support material, things that are in Squad Bay or other places that kind of showcase different MOSs. Um, but really, with today's demographic, I think the value of that is kind of understanding the why behind it. And what I mean by that is when you look at market research for Gen Z, right? So by most definitions, you're, you're considered part of Gen Z if you were born 1997 or later, um, which even encompasses some of our younger recruiters out there right now. Um, but when we do market research and we look at the things that they're worried about, so a lot of people in the Marine Corps are worried about, you know, force design, talent management, near peer competition, all these things. None of those things are really on the radar for the Gen Z cohort, right? They're worried about global warming. They're worried about, you know, instability. They're worried about political divide. Um, they're worried about coming into their own, coming into an adult, uh, coming into adulthood at a place in society where they feel as if they weren't set up for success as well as, as prior generations, right? You look at, you know, the, the barriers, I'm getting ready to, to retire here in about a year, looking to buy a home, you know, barriers to home entry. If I wasn't retiring out of the Marine Corps, it'd be really hard for me as, you know, someone in my early to mid twenties, maybe thinking about starting a family to, to buy a house, right? Um, college debt, those types of things. So really there's kind of this underlying anxiety where um, they feel that there is honor or that, that it's a good choice for them to contribute to an organization that is going to help provide stability and kind of mitigate um, some of these kind of random threats that they see out there, which is why the campaign kind of angles at that. So it's, yeah, you're, you're kind of showcasing, hey, these are different things that the Marine Corps does. But at the end of it, you're showcasing that the Marine Corps is an organization that exists. Yeah, we're going to kill bad guys. That's what we do. Yeah, we're going to do some naval integration. That's what we do. But we're an organization that exists to be called upon to provide security and stability in those areas or in those environments where nobody else can, right? And that that message really resonates well with this current demographic. And that's kind of that's the one of the things that that continues to kind of help us stand apart from some of the other uh, other branches too. Yeah, I appreciate you breaking that down, uh, specifically understanding the things that are on their mind, right? As a Marine, our thing is on force design. Our thing is on peer-to-peer competition, et cetera, et cetera. But on the minds of the youth, that's not on their radar. What's on their radar is, you know, social justice, uh, political divide. And then some of the more tangible things that you spoke of was home ownership. You know, how am I ever going to own a house? You know, things are not like when my parents bought a house. I can't just go get a a minimum wage job and, and get into the housing market and college debt. Knowing that those are things that create anxiety in that generation, regardless of what tag they pick, I'm probably going to remove that anxiety and discuss how the Marine Corps can help set them up in the future. Yep. You know, you're not going to have college debt. And not only will you not have college debt, if you're smart, you're using tuition assistance while you're in the Marine Corps. When you leave, you've got the post 9-11 GI Bill that you can then bequeath to your kids or to your spouse so that they, too, do not have to go through any type of college debt. Well, and that's and with that type of stuff, you know, it always goes back to to the sales presentations on remain and focused on the intangibles, because obviously the other branches are going to have those things, too. Right. Um, But at the end of the day, showcasing that the organization exists, because really the reason they're worried about those things is that they feel um, that 
the, the previous generation didn't do a good job to look out for them, right? And so one of their, their main driving forces is whatever I do with my life, I got to be able to take care of myself because nobody else is going to be here to do it for me. So a lot of the intangible stuff. Self-reliance. About, that's it. That's it. Um, so a lot of the intangible things around, um, you know, being able to overcome challenges in life, right? Uh, mental, mental health is a huge thing, not only from the effects of COVID, but just kind of generationally, right? Um, so, yeah, the, the tangible stuff is definitely there. But all of those things have been brought to their attention by these kind of intangible things in the background that they've kind of grown up in this environment that just they don't feel safe. Right. So the the opportunity to join an organization and help others feel safe, uh, they kind of view that as their way to to help correct uh, the mistakes of the generation before them. Awesome. Hey, thanks for thanks for sharing that. So we talked about the commercial, talked a little bit about some of the policy changes with the uh, National Defense Authorization Act and, and some of the efforts that have been done and are continuing to to go for them. The uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about, and then we'll open it up to any anything that you might have, is the recent release of Squad Bay, mm-hmm. right? And and not every listener knows, you know, they know the latest release, but they don't know where we started. So can you just kind of give us an, an overview of how Squad Bay came to exist? what the recent changes are and what you might see in the future capabilities to help with the, with the recruiting process. Uh, sure. So probably, I mean, almost about three years ago now, um, you know, over the years, the Marine Corps kind of cycled between different, you know, physical tangible components of what we would call a welcome aboard kit. You know, I, I have one that's a cardboard box and VHS tape that I'm sure my dad has stashed in a box somewhere. Uh, we've had tins, we've, we've done these, you know, different things. Um, in late 2018, uh, it was prior to me getting up here when they identified the requirement, but, um, producing things gets expensive real quick, right? When you got to produce 50,000 welcome aboard kits, even at 18 bucks a pop, you're talking a million dollars a year. And then when the Marine Corps, especially over the last few years, you know, we've seen, uh, changes to the PFT, we've seen changes to the IST, we've seen combat arms integration, we've seen all these different things. Every time something changes, we got to destroy all the old printed stock and, and print new, right? So someone came up with the idea, hey, let's take that stuff. Let's digitize it. The people we're recruiting are, are digital natives for the most part anyway. Um, even three, four years ago when they did the survey, I think it was north of 92% of the DEP had a smartphone. I'm sure that number is higher now. You know, it's kind of almost impossible to function in society as an adult without a, out a smart device now. And so they digitized it. And the initial release wasn't great. Uh, the, the training around it could have, could have definitely been better. But it was really just, you know, a digital book. There was no interaction. There was no higher level functionality. It was just, here's all your information. That's what you need to know. Um, it kind of stagnated for about a year. Then COVID kicked off. And really throughout the two years, kind of the, the first year and a half, two years of COVID, um, there was a lot of attention on it because, as you know, we lost physical access to the pool. In a lot of cases, we lost physical access to a lot of our, our high school community college program. And we were looking at alternative ways of you know, prospecting, conducting sales, uh, sales conversations, all that type of stuff. And so over about two years, we've kind of iterated. Um, and I know you're familiar with this from your time uh, with the McCris Project, but it's on a agile development methodology. So every six to eight weeks. Uh, we release a sprint with a new feature. So over that time, we released 
you know, the ability for Pulis to provide referrals. We release the ability for group messaging back and forth. We release the ability for them to have a, a training library that was specific to them. Um, in December of last year, we released something called the Recruiter Resource Library, which is an entire digitized collateral suite. Uh, there's somewhere probably around 90 to 95 assets in there, uh, both on the enlisted and officer side. Um, some dashboard reporting, customized workout challenges. Um, and that kind of brings us to our latest release that just happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, one of the common points of feedback we got in the messaging function is, yeah, I can send messages, but it's only text, right? I can't send photos or I can't do any of that type of stuff. So this last update from the mobile device, um, it, it's not on the, the web dashboard when you log in on the laptop, but from the mobile device, um, you can rename your group chats, you can edit the group participants, you can send photos, you can attach files like PDFs or whatever, you can embed different web links. So a lot of the functionality that people were using things like WhatsApp or closed Facebook groups for is now resident within that, within that application. Um, and it's also kind of leading into some of the, the future term stuff. So uh, what, most of 2023 is going to be um, now we're, we're a few years deep into this app and really kind of every 18 to 24 months, the industry standard is that you kind of tear it down to the, to the skeleton and then build it all and make sure that we don't have a hodgepodge of code that's been bolted together for a decade. So um, during 2023, that's going to be the bulk of the work, but some of the stuff that's happening, that's going to facilitate uh, our digital transformation on the back end is there's going to be the establishment of something that we're calling the enhanced recruiter profile next year. And if you're familiar with digital business cards or Linktree or anything like that, um, it's kind of like that on steroids, right? So you're going to have more or less a, when you establish your recruiter profile account, it's going to ask you for things like your MOSs. Um, it's going to allow you to pin resources from squad bay or external links from other places and each individual recruiter, not only in their squad bay app, but more or less on marines.com is going to have an individually personalized landing page, right? So if it's on my business card, if it's on a QR code at the end of a class talk, when you scan that and it takes you to marines.com, it's going to have Mass Arm Benz, 8412, 2651, 2611, all the my MOSs along with resources that I can update and change uh, as appropriate. You know, if it's NROTC season, maybe I'm pointing them towards that. Um, if I'm worried about reserves, maybe I've, you know, pinned some resources for the reserves. Um, but downstream, probably uh, probably a good year, year and a half from now, um, what they're working on to prototype now is something called the, uh, we're calling it a, a social forum MVP, but um, I'm not sure if you are, sir, but for anyone that's familiar with Reddit, um, it's more or less going to function in much the same way. So th in the back end, there'll be more or less a Reddit for Marine Corps recruiting, for lack of a better term, that any public user can go to. So grandma, grandpa, Uncle Joe, you know, Miss Jones, the gym teacher, whatever. Um, and then depending on an individual squad bay profile, whether they're a prospect, a pulley, or a recruiter, there are additional communities is what they're calling them uh, that they'll have visibility to. So um, the, the easiest way I relate this is as a brand new recruiter, many, many years ago, we had a TTP in the RS where we had an alpha roster with everyone's MOS on it. Right. And if I was interviewing little Johnny 
and he had a question about artillery. Well, I'm not an artillery guy, but Sergeant Jones down at RSS East is. So I'm going to go ahead and get him on the phone. You can ask him your questions. Um, we're basically crowdsourcing and facilitating that throughout the entire enterprise by using those those profiles, right? So um, our poolies will be able to communicate with each other. Recruiters will be able to communicate with each other, share TTPs, training, whatever. Um, so that's kind of – that's – way downstream, probably about a year and a half. And in the interim, there's some other milestones that are built out. Uh, we've concepted and we're going to be testing the, uh, the initial MVP minimum viable product for uh, digital command recruiting, um, allowing users that are in the fleet to more or less flag periods of availability or receive solicitations and provide referrals. Um, and then one of the, uh, the near-term updates that will happen here probably in about a month um, inside that recruiter resource library, an individual user will be able to submit uh, a request to add resources to that digital collateral library that we can localize to their area. So the, uh, the example I give all the time when I talk about it is if I'm back as the RI in Salt Lake City again and I want my recruiters to have a piece of collateral that talks about the mission release program, right, uh, it's in the IRAM. If you're not familiar with that and how the reserves function, you'd never know about it. But I could enlist uh, a young LDS man that intends to go on his religious mission when he turns 18, have him front load his two years of IRR time to do his mission and come back and do his six years in the reserves on the back end. So I can go down with my Mac at the RS, get a stand-up interview from one of the return missionaries that's done that, and then add that to Squad Bay for my RS to use as a piece of collateral and as a proof source to talk about that program. So um, there's there's a lot coming with that over the next year, year and a half. But uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm out of here next summer, so it's going to be uh, Master Horos ball to pick up and keep moving with. But between between the app, the integrations with uh, Marines.com, and you know the the wins with the uh, NDAA stuff. It's an interesting time over the next year or two. Now, that's awesome. It's, it's good to have not seen where Squad Bay, you know, the premise behind it, how it got started, how it initially rolled out, and to where it is today, you know, or leaps and bounds. And, you know, that's part of the agile process, right? You, you get out a minimum vial product so that you can release something now, and then you, you iterate and make it better over time. If you were at an RS if you were at the tactical level using this tool that's been provided to you and you were the a staff in CIC, how would you use Squad Bay to help with the recruiting process? Um, so we have a step that's been on the wall charts for years, right, as part of maintain commitment um, where we refer an applicant to relevant websites, right? I, that's the, the verbiage that's on the chart. Um, one of the functions that exists in the squad bay application now is I can go in and register someone, not necessarily as a poolie, but as a prospect, right? And they kind of go in this special list of, of workers, right? A, a prospect list, if you will. And the TTP that I would probably use is that anyone that came in for a sales presentation for an interview, one of the first things I would do is, you know, go through my steps Hey, little Johnny, what I'd like to do is register you within this uh, squad bay application. It has some digital resources and stuff that, you know, if you have questions after we get done today, you'll be able to reference. Uh, you can message me. I can send you things back. And some of the stuff we talk about during the interview today, I'll be able to send you digital copies of so you can review later. How does that sound? Right. 
I think in today's day and age, most applicants, especially if they're actually considering service, they're probably going to be pretty open to that. Um, but it allows me to facilitate use of that digital collateral throughout that entire conversation. And it keeps them kind of in the queue so I can maintain contact after, right? So that's, that's the first TTP. Um, ideally, they've been in that status before they go to MEPS, right? And when they go to MEPS, I can just put in their ship date and it rolls into a pool E. Um, but if not, upon return from MEPS, when I'm conducting the, the welcome aboard brief with the applicant, right, before I go with mom and dad, um, I'm going to make sure that they can log in. I'm going to walk them through their resource library. All of the, I mean, there's more in there, but all of the information that's required for the volume one for a welcome aboard brief is in there. So I'm going to make sure that they know where to find it and what it means. Um, I'm going to communicate expectations in regards to communicating with their recruiter, uh, explain that they may receive workout challenges, right, from either us or the, you know, maybe the SAR major at the RS, um, and kind of work through that. And then uh, really at the end of the day, I'm going to use that for the bulk of communication between me and the pool, um, not only because it, it allows me a one-stop shop, but two, it also allows them to kind of be put into an ecosystem that keeps them around like-minded individuals that can help reinforce and keep them motivated, right? Um, and then from a recruiting standpoint on the back end, what we're able to see from that, um, and this is separate from the NDAA stuff, but we're able to see the behavioral insights from usage patterns by user type and squad base. So I can see, you know, this is what public users do with it. This is what prospects do with it. This is what police or candidates do with it. And this is what recruiters do with it. Um, and really my, my, it's kind of a, a personal pet project of mine, but the long-term goal is once we get to an adoption rate and we are in a couple of RSs, but when we get to an adoption rate where we have a pretty robust data set, I'll be able to hand you as an RS opso or hand a recruiter instructor, Hey, this is the profile of your RS. These are the things that your recruiters talk most often about and least often about. These are the things that your poolies and candidates are conducting the most self-education and research about um, and really kind of give you a profile view of what not only your prospect and poolies look like, but what your sales force looks like in that RS. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of like uh, benefit tag analysis on steroids, right? I can look at my 11 tags and, you know, hey, stud, you see travel and adventure a lot. So we're going to make sure you can you can talk travel and adventure. Um, it's that just kind of to the next level with some data behind it. So it sounds like there's a lot of back end analytics available, but it's only available if people are logging in and using it. That's correct. So um, it, it's kind of in the hopper to uh, whether it's with Power BI or, or something similar to that, it's kind of in the hopper to build out some uh, analytics dashboards that are a little bit more user friendly. It's all kind of raw data, Google Analytics right now. Uh, but to your point, if it's not being used, then we don't have data to analyze. So um, I've got a handful of RSs kind of throughout the country that are, are pretty hot and heavy in it. And I can get a pretty good site picture of what's going on there. Um, but we still have some that uh, adoption rates, it's just, there's just not enough data there to, to make any good conclusions from. All right. So on squad, but you talked about the different bins. There's the, the prospect bin, then there's the poolie bin. And down the road, it sounds like there's going to be a, a Marine bin for, for CDR Marines to reach back to their recruiters. So it's kind of like social media, but something in, internal to MICRIC that we kind of can monitor the comms and, 
and, and leverage that technology to help the entire recruiting process. And in one of your TTPs, you say, hey, once I'm done with an interview, I'm probably going to sit down with the applicant a lot, you know, ask them to download the app, sign in, kind of walk them through that. But there's also the, the ability for someone who's never met a recruiter to just, for whatever reason, find Squad Bay in the app store, download it, and without any recruiter walking them to it, start using that. And if you were to do the analytics on everybody in the Marine Corps, there are lots of touch points that help support the decision. Mm -hmm. And the more touch points that you have, the better chance of, of getting someone to enlist. The, the average Marine just remembers that they were all walk-in office right. traffic, that, that they went to the mall. But if you were to really be honest with yourself and go back through all the different touch points, well, I saw this commercial, I talked to my uncle over here, saw a recruiter at the high school, you know, those are all individual touch points that led them to walk through the door to join the Marine Corps. And your TTP was at the interview have you seen any case studies or would you advocate if I'm doing a class talk, I'm doing a career talk, has any recruiter ever introduced the app during that class talk? You know, I can't talk to all 20 one-on-one probably right there, but we can certainly open up the communication channel if I can convince 20 kids to download that app right there in the class and self-enroll. So I've, I've, had, uh, I've had some talk to me about some things that they've tried. I don't have any conclusive data that says, you know, whether it worked well, didn't work well. But um, one of the TTPs that I've kind of started training to or, or showing folks at, at more or less any of the courses I teach at, um, and it, it'll be a lot cleaner and more branded once we have that enhanced recruiter profile built out in the app itself. Uh, but even now, a lot of folks, you know, there's a, an app out there called Linktree, which is free for the basic user type, but it allows you to put in contact info and links to things that you think would be important. And one of the things that I do is at the end of every class I teach, I have a big QR code on the slide that will take someone to mine that has my contact info, uh, has all my social handles, has my email, and then it has links to things that are relevant to my role, right? So it has links to Squad Bay has links to the Benefit Explorer, the Benefit Tag Tool on marines.com, um, some of our per public service announcement assets, things that are marketing related. And really, at the end of the day, those are types of things that Recruiter School is starting to introduce. Uh, once again, with this last class, they use Squad Bay, but they also uh, made some tweaks to some of the Marine Corps product knowledge classes in the big classroom. So they're, they're getting the students sets and reps on how to transition from kind of a classic PowerPoint-based media to something more interactive. So if I have a slide up and I'm talking about NROTC as an example, I might have a QR code kind of scurried away in the corner that if you scan that from your device, it pulls up the, the actual NROTC website where you can kind of scroll along and read some things as I'm talking. Um, and that's one of those things that, once again, you look at, at generationally, that's how they're used to interacting with things. Um, so that TTP, um, is, is a good one for sure. The thing that we have a hard time with is I can't track them. I can see that we have public users. I can see that we have public users requesting information, but I can't identify them as individuals until I get that PPC. So there's still kind of some ambiguity in the data before that PPC point, because I can see that they've come through the pipe. I just can't see which of those public users resulted in this PPC that is now John Smith. Gotcha. Okay. Sounds like there's some probably refinement before we could, you know, roll out a TTP where I'm in a class talk and just have everybody download the squad bay app. Yeah. 
But if I'm there as a recruiter and they download it, can't can can they? I can then link them directly to me, which then yep. ties the name to a recruiter. Right. So in the recruiter's profile uh, right now, uh, when you log in as a recruiter and you go to your profile, there's an option for them to either scan a QR code or for you to share a link, which you can airdrop, text, whatever. And if they register using that QR code or that link, it bypasses that mm-hmm. initial stage and links them directly to you as a prospect. So the right way to use that then would be as a recruiter, go find my QR code, put that up. You know, yeah, yep. we're talking NROTC. I want you to go to that website. But if they just go to that website and don't fill out any information, after that talk, we lose them. Right. If I can get them to scan my personalized Squad Bay app QR code, now they're connected to me. Right. And as long as they don't delete the app, I can begin to communicate with them after I walk out of that classroom. Right. Yeah, that, uh, that, that's very powerful. Uh, as opposed to, you know, going around with a paper list and getting everybody to put their data on there or what have you. Well, and that's, I mean, the getting them to register squad bay, that's a, that's a, it's a more aggressive step, right? So you're probably going to get less return. Um, right now I am working with the, the G6 and they're trying to get um, with the recent office 365 teams migration that Micric went through. There's a function in there called Microsoft forms um, that we can use internally right now for things like, you know, class review earths things during training. Uh, but the flag has not yet been turned on for public use. Um, there are some other vendors out there that are selling this as a, as a paid service. Um, but when we're gathering information from the public, we have very stringent data privacy concerns. Um, and we just haven't found a way to, to be able to, to crack that nut yet. But if the G six is able to get that forms capability turned on to be public facing, um, basically every recruiter in Micric by virtue of their Office 365 platform, will have the ability to create their own customized class talk sheets and have that information flow directly to them. Um, so if we can get that done, because the, the Squad Bay TTP is good, uh, but it is a much more aggressive step. You're probably only going to get that from folks that are legitimately interested. Uh, but if we can get that forms uh, thing fixed with the, uh, with the six shop and the folks they're working with, that'll be a big win too. Gotcha. All right. Appreciate that. Uh, there was something that came to my mind as, as you were talking. I'm t- oh, so Squad Bay, it, is it as intuitive as we would like to think that it is? A lot of things that you describe, you're describing, and I'm thinking training. Like, who's teaching them how to do this? Who's teaching them how to use this? And, you know, naturally, I think staff into IC is first point of contact. Then you got the recruiting instructor. Uh, and the command group that can provide some follow-on training. But when you mentioned Office 365, teams came to my mind. And I remember talking to you recently about how you were going to use that that new capability to create a teams group where you could post training and videos and, and TTPs for squad bay. Can you kind of talk through that and, and walk the users on how they would uh, get to that so they can do some self-education? Uh, sure. Yeah. So there's a uh, there's a team that's been established, and I'm going to pull this up because there's a code I'm going to need to read off in here. Uh, but there's a team that has been established in our team's environment that's just called the Micric Squad Bay app, and it's really a one stop shop for anything related to Squad Bay. So I'm sure by this point a lot of people are on their RS team or their RSS or whatever. Um, but within the Squad Bay app team, there is uh, open chat so that people can post questions. There's a point for them to provide feedback. 
which is very useful for us as we go into development. Uh, there's a section where every time there's a release memo or a new bulletin, um, I'll post that in there. Um, anytime I go out and teach, I'll post whatever my, my uh, slide deck or whatever it was that I used. Uh, the six district marketing chiefs also do that as well. And there's a wiki uh, tab in there that I've got to update it as of this most recent update, but it breaks down uh, the views by user type, um, you know, what the screen looks like on the phone, what the functionality is. And this group or this team is open for anybody to join. So when you open your Teams app in the bottom left, you'll see a link that says join or create a team. When you hit join a team, there's an option to join by code. Um, I've shared this code on uh, on Facebook and some other places a couple times, but the code for someone to join the Micric Squad Bay app team is lowercase k, four, lowercase f, lowercase r, lowercase g, two, lowercase e, k, four, f, r, g, two, e, uh, all lowercase on the letters. And that'll allow them to join that team, which uh, has all that stuff. Uh, because what we found is, um, as you know, you know, we're always asking for, you know, do you have a PowerPoint on how to teach X, uh, which is fine. But when, when the subject matter changes every six to eight weeks, it's, it's impossible to keep creating. You got an old PowerPoint. Yeah. Right. Um, so the idea is, is not only are we getting sets of reps on it in recruiter school, new BRC students are, uh, but we've established this team that I can kind of update real time as things happen and provide a place for people to kind of go and self-educate. Um, but really, you know, over the years, there's been this argument that, well, squad bay is a sergeant major thing because it's pool management. Um, and I, I mean, two years ago, I probably could have bought that because it was heavily focused on that. But where you look at it today, you know, it's got a full digitized uh, collateral library for the recruiters. It facilitates uh, group messaging back and forth. We're issuing workout challenges. Uh, I can put training assets in there for the recruiter. It's not it's not an app for a single, I wouldn't go to an RS and say, Hey, RI, Chris is a you thing because you're the RI. That's, that's not how it works. Right. Um, and squad base kind of gotten to that point. Right. So I think that certainly there's an element, especially with the, the program specialists probably helping manage accounts, you know, they're kind of called out in the volume three by name. Uh, but really if someone's on recruiting today in any role, really, um, and they're not familiar with how squad bay works and they're not getting in and, and at least playing with it. Uh, they're probably behind the power curve because it's not, it's not something that belongs to just one member of the command group. Right. And so that team's channel that you built for squad bay is there's content in there for every user. Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct. And then I asked you earlier, if you were staffing, so I see at the RS level, how would you use it? And you, you laid out some TTPs and then we got into some discussions about class talks and how I might introduce it as a recruiter. Uh, if I'm a SAR major or if I'm a CO or if I'm an OPSO or if I'm an XO, how can I use the squad bay app? Um, so especially with this most recent update, right? Um, something that I hear a lot from the, the max, whether it's the RS or the district, um, we have a lot of folks that love their newsletters, right? Love their Pooley newsletters. Um, I can produce something on PDF and drop it into all those digital group chats and ensure that my entire pool got it. Um, I, there's a function in there for me to go in and, and conduct mass announcements, right? So if I want to announce to the entire RS that there's going to be an all hands pool function, I can do that. Um, for the Sergeant Major or Sergeant's Major in particular, um, now that this latest update is is released, uh, they'd have to do this through the mobile app. 
but they have the ability to issue a workout challenge to the entire RS pool, right? So if you want to have a monthly challenge, whether it's the CO's challenge or the SAR Majors challenge, whatever, um, they can do that. Uh, they can get in and they can see uh, how many referrals have been been provided and what status they're in. So once again, if I'm a you know pool program manager, I might be curious to know that RSS1 has had 15 referrals over the past month and RSS2 has had zero. Um, all of those things kind of provide me real-time feedback. So it's a, um, it's a vehicle for them to communicate with the pool. Um, something that they have to be aware of is it's a vehicle that will allow the pool to communicate back, which might be something that some of them are, are uh, a little not used to. Not if they're being professional and doing the right thing. Correct. Um, and that's at the end of the day, it's really something that, that models challenges that the fleet's dealing with too. You know, I mean, I remember as a young Marine that I think I saw, you know, aside from PT in the morning, I maybe spoke directly to my platoon commander once a week, you know, when he happened to wander by, Hey, Lance Corporal Vance, how you doing? Everything okay. And that was about it. Um, that that's not the environment that, that the people we're recruiting grew up in. They're used to having open comms with everybody all the time. Right. So, um, this is, you know, we've spent a lot of time the last couple of years. Um, you, you know, you talk about back to the basics, you talk about the recruiting challenges. Uh, we've spent a lot of time, I think, and this is my opinion, um, trying to teach people how to recruit like we recruited, uh, which is fine. Cause there's a lot of value in that. Um, but I think there's also a lot of value in identifying how people recruit today and developing the tools and the TTPs around how to make that more productive and successful. And I think, uh, I think squad Bay allows a lot of that. Um, once people figure out how to, how to press the buttons and make it go. Right. Well, you know, when I came up as a recruiter, the only way the SAR major could really validate if I was connecting with my pool would be to drive to the RSS and pull out all the pool cards and then look for comments that all had GTG on them. That's right. They all had good to go on them. Right. And that was for the weekly contact. That was the only way he could do that. Mm-hmm. But now he's got access to the entire pool in the palm of his hand or her hand and can can reach out to poolies and do a sampling. Yep. You know, hey, when's the last time you talked to your recruiter? And and there's a lot of fear in that if you're the recruiter of the staff in I see. So so funny enough, we did a uh, they recently did uh, we did a, a limited research effort. Uh, they only talked to about 20, 25 recruiters. Um, and they kept it anonymous, right, to avoid fear of reprisal. Uh, but WT recently did a, uh, a research project titled Voice of the Recruiter. And most of it was pretty, you know, stuff we would expect. They talked about COVID impacts, access to schools, all the things we've been hearing about. Um, but one of the things that specifically came out about Squad Bay, and not from the whole focus group, but from a couple, is that there was hesitation uh, from the point of view of a recruiter to use Squad Bay because they were hesitant to engage their pool in an environment where, their command group could see. Right. Um, and I would like to think, cause I, I remember myself as a staff to, I see my hesitation at that would probably be because I wasn't doing all the things with my pool that I was supposed to be doing. Um, so hopefully that that's what it is and it's nothing more, uh, more nefarious than that, but you're absolutely right. You know, we talk about, um, the Sergeant major, you know, being the owner of the pool program. Well, 10 years ago, the Sergeant Major was the owner of some uh, orange cards and a wooden box. That's what the Sergeant Major was the owner of. Because to your point, unless they showed up for a pool function, they were never going to interact with my pool. Um, so now it's it's very different. It allows them a level of interaction that they've never had before. Um, and not just them. You know, the, the CO, the RI, the ARIs, the ops chief, 
you know, there's some uh, notifications and some stuff that that's kind of on the, the backlog that'll be coming that, you know, hey, 45 days out from their ship date, that pulley is going to get a notification that they need to come see the staff CIC for a pre-ship, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, that's good. Um, so there's some stuff in there that that's built in not to replace or to take away from the, the systematic recruiting process, but to reinforce some of those things that are a little bit more, um, you know, administrative in nature. And what I also love about it is if I have a sergeant major that is engaged with squad bay, that means I better be engaged at the, at the RSS level and ensure that every poolie has an account and that they're engaged. Because if that's the, the primary means that the SAR major is communicating an annual pool function right. or a monthly workout challenge or the way the CO can reach out and just see how a poolie's doing to show concerned leadership, if I find that you know, 15, 20, 30% of your pool doesn't have an active account, that's some, that, that should send up some, some, red, some red flags. Well, it's, it's one of those, you know, it's, you've known me for a long time, sir. I'm, I'm a data nerd. That's kind of how my brain works. And, uh, I would never, I would never submit that the app itself does anything really to, uh, I I won't say anything, but I would never say that the app, um, itself has a direct impact on attrition one way or another. Right. Cause that's, that's a, that's a pretty big leap. Uh, but what I will say is that there's some correlation when you look at things like MCRD attrition, DEP attrition, and the level of activity in squad bay. And it's not that I think that the app mitigates attrition, but I think that the app finally, after however many years, gives us an actual measurement tool of legitimate pool engagement, right? And the logic would follow that if I have more pool engagement, I'm probably going to have lower attrition. That's something that we've accepted for decades. Uh, we've just never been able to, to measure it aside from GTGs on the back of, a, of an index card. Right. Um, so when you look at the data and you look at places where it's being used and not just one-time activations because they're getting yelled at, but like used, used, um, those places don't show the same markers. Um, you know, everyone's kind of fighting in a knife fight right now, but there are some places that are a little bit healthier than others. Um, and a lot of those places that have healthier pools coincidentally happen to have a lot more activity in that application. So um, I don't think it's the app that does it, but I think the app reinforces the things that the volumes have always told us to do with the tool, or with the pool, and it allows us a way to to see that they're actually being done. Right. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, before I yield to you, I did post on a Facebook group, and for the listeners, if you're not aware, there is a closed Facebook group titled Training and System Integration. It is a good Facebook group. Uh, it started as just a McCris support group and then grew to contain training as well. The majority of posts in that group are related to, to McCris outages or, or trouble that users are having. That is a great tap rack bang feature. If you're having a problem with McCris or if there's a class that you want, you know, if you're going to present a class and rather than recreate the wheel, you can go in that Facebook group and ask a question and somebody will typically respond rather quickly to either help you solve a McCris issue or help you with a, with a training event that you're going to do. So go on Facebook and search for training and system integration. It is a closed group, so there are some questions, and then we vet each, each uh, request. And unless you're actively on recruiting duty, you're not going to get approved. So get in there and get on, on that group. But I say all that to say this. I posted up a, a post in the group. 
and asking if anyone had any questions. And I think I got some feedback. So I want to go through these questions with you. Uh, the first question is from uh, Sar Major Washington out of Riverside. Hoorah, uh, Sar Major, thanks for responding. And his question is surrounding an initiative of General Bohm, the previous MCRIC CG uh, called Operation Simplify. And for the listeners that don't know what that is or why that came about, General Bohm thought that there was a large veteran population out there that could really help the recruiting effort. And in days of old, when, when a veteran was frustrated with, with politics or the service direction or you name it, they would go to their local VFW or a bar or hang out with a handful of friends and voice their frustration with them, and it really wouldn't leave the walls of that bar. And with the advent of social media, you know, a high-profile service member can go on Instagram, TikTok, you name it, and just put all this dissenting information out there, and, and basically they're just venting. Uh, and, and some of them are legitimate, but now your reach goes beyond the walls of some, some dark smoky bar and that's having an impact on influencers. And that was having an impact on potential applicants that might want to serve, not fully understanding the context, not fully understanding anything. So we wanted to operationalize the veterans. And so we came up with operation simplify and then general Bohm left general Bowers took over and, and maybe it's lost some steam in some areas or what have you, cause it's not at the forefront of what fight General Bowers is fighting right now. And so the question is around that. In Riverside, the local marketing uh, Marine went out and produced some some business cards and some pamphlets that uh, promote Operation Simplify. Anytime a Marine comes into the office and they want the sticker or they want a keychain, they will give them those items, but they also give them that card and talk to them about how they can help their recruiting effort. The question is around, okay, how do we nationalize those products and can MCRIC pay for that so that they're not pulling it out of their marketing budget at the local level? Okay. So Operation Semprify is still something that's a, a thing. It's not that it went away. Um, to your point, it's probably got a little bit less focus now than it, than it has in the past. Um, there's still a landing page on marines.com, marines.com slash Semprify. will take you to some, some proof sources. Um, in reference to the the take one cards or the handout cards that Star Major's talking about, in a lot of cases, um, folks kind of want the ability to customize what they put on there. They might want you know local POCs from their RS or whatever. Um, so the marketing Marines are specifically trained to reference the brand guide, keep things on brand and looking professional. Uh, but if they're looking to produce those, um, they can work through their, their local supply section, kind of that same DAPS printing process that we would do for other things. Uh, but at present, because we don't have a single kind of standardized way across the entire country, um, because it's when you look at how they engage, you know, um, 8th District in particular, you know, probably about a year, year and a half ago, the way that they were engaging via OSF was very different than some other places. You know, they had district CO level of involvement. They had, uh, you know, General Neller, former commandant, he was coming out for OSF functions. Um, in some areas, you know, it's just the the sergeant that did four years and got out that they're engaging with. So uh, for us to produce a, a national piece like that, uh, we'd have to kind of have a, a consistent uh, strategy of engagement. And because that's been pushed down for the, the districts and the RSs to engage in the manner that they see fit, uh, we, we just haven't produced something like that nationally. Uh, but if they do need help, um, you know, whether it's producing a, a graphic or making sure it's on brand or, you know, just someone to bounce ideas off of, they can certainly shoot it up to us. And if they have, you know, questions about how to navigate that supply process to get things printed, I can help them with that too. 
Okay, thanks. If uh, And thanks for putting that link out there. It's uh, marines.com slash simplify. Yes, sir. Right. And so that's probably at this point where the national level stuff ends. If If we need to update that page or what have you, that's about as far as we can go here. Right. Uh, each market may be different for each RS. And so it, it's really uh, prudent on them to kind of shape a message or a card or what have you that kind of services their local targets. And they can reach out to you or the Mac section to help with some uh, content creation or refinement. But as far as print production, things of that nature, that that's really on, on them. Yes, sir. Okay. And then got another comment. From uh, Andrew Cruz, I believe he's a retired 8412 out of uh, Orange County. He posted up that, just an FYI, the reconnect with the core battles one and once a Marine, always a Marine link lead to an error page. Are you familiar with that at all? Did the URL change? Because Sergeant Major Washington also posted up a different link that may service that, uh, that demographic. Yeah, so it does look like I'm testing it right now. Right. We'll have to, uh, it could be that something's just down with the... Uh, so on the back end, when they go to that reconnect with the core link, right. it registers in a system called the electronic contact card interface. Yep. And I am getting a getting an error too, so I'll have to have the, the web team take a look at that. Okay. So how, to get to that, is, is that through Operation Semperfy? And yeah. then you, okay. Yeah, it's on that same marines.com slash Semperfy page. Right. Okay. So from there, there's a couple of options I can I can right. click. And when they click any of those, those are three different tabs. Uh, reconnect with Core, Battles 1, and Once a Marine, Always a Marine, or are those, is that one thing? So Reconnect with the Core is its own link. Yep. But yeah, it looks like. So when you click yeah. that, it you get an error. Yeah. So that's something that maybe you and the agency can can look at. Yeah. And some of the uh, some of their learn more links are down too. Okay, so it could be something with the uh, the whole hosting of that site or correct. what have you. Okay, yep. hey, uh, thanks for uh, bringing that to our attention, uh, Andrew Cruz. We'll uh, we'll look in that and hopefully we can get that resolved. So I appreciate it. Yep. And that is all the questions that I have received from the Facebook group. Is there anything that you would like to cover or, or reinforce that that we haven't been able to cover here today so far? Uh. No, I mean, it. I don't think I got a whole lot, sir. Um, every year we go into a, uh, a annual planning process, which you've heard me vent about quite a bit. It's pretty, uh, uh, pretty cumbersome. But here coming up at the end of March, uh, we're going to have this year's sales marketing review board, uh, which is where we begin, we begin to field ideas for what will eventually become our 2024 annual marketing plan. Um, I know that kind of seems counterintuitive because March is a full, you know, nine months before 2024. Uh, but that's the amount of time that it takes to get to get some of this stuff identified as a requirement, scope for work, and all that. So um, there will be a solicitation that goes out for some recruiters, staff to ACs, things like that, like we do every year. Uh, but regardless of whether or not an individual is able to come, their district marketing chief uh, will attend as they're represented for the district. So if they aren't able to attend themselves uh, by virtue of being picked by their districts, I would encourage them all to send either directly to me uh, order their district marketing chiefs any feedback that they have on what they need for collateral materials, trifolds, ideas for the website, uh, because this is really kind of that that first iteration. So uh, if you're a listener in the first district, you want to find Master Sergeant Keith Daly in the gal. He's your district marketing chief. If you're in fourth, you want Gunnery Sergeant Benjamin Dittenber, sixth district, Master Sergeant David Smith, eighth district, Master Sergeant Sean Baldwin, 
9th District Gunnery Sergeant Timothy Hartman, and 12th District Gunnery Sergeant Marianne Miller. Uh, those are going to be the ones that come up uh, and act as your voice at that marketing review board. So if there's something you need, something you think we could do better, um, please either send it directly to me or make sure that they come equipped with that in March so that we can make sure to uh, get it addressed in our annual planning process. Can Can you unpack a little bit about what that means and what, what you're talking about when you say ideas. Cause I, I can just, my frame of reference as a recruiter, when we talk collateral material and posters and, and trinkets, I just got whatever they sent me and made it work. Right. Is this the time where they would say, Hey, we need this piece of collateral material or Hey, this one needs to be modified. The macabre is not doing X. Uh, how about a video for this or what happened? Like what specifically things. are we looking for? All those things. So any changes to the website, uh, certainly anything in your printed collateral. So your macabs, either the enlisted or the officer one, right? For our OSOs out there, um, trifolds, um, things like that. Uh, we could talk about promotional and incentive items um, here in probably about three, four months because they got to get produced. But we're going to see a, a revamp of the pooly incentive item gear. Uh, we're actually going to see new pool shirts for the first time in probably 20 years, right? I think they've probably been blue with the red EGA for for at least. That at is least, not red. Well, it's supposed to be red, right, until it it's fades. It's a shade of red, it, I guess. Until it's been washed. Um, you know, it's been those for probably 10, 15 years at this point. Um, you're going to see some some pretty fancy red pool shirts come out here in the next few months. Uh, but it's that type of stuff. It's uh, ideas for things like Squad Bay or something else. Um, it's anything related to that. And really the, the reason is, is, um, one, we identify what the idea is and we kind of dig into what the need is, right? Why are they asking for it? What's that requirement? Um, and then we think about how we can solve that. Right. And that's really a lot of the changes that we've seen in squad bay over the last couple of years. Um, a lot of people don't realize it, but they've come from those review board cycles. It just takes so long to get things identified as a requirement, contracted for work, and developed, right? So um, it was actually an idea from an OSO uh, two years ago now, or no, maybe about two and a half years ago. Um, he came as one of the OSO reps to the Sales Marketing Review Board and said, hey, you know, Top, it'd be really cool if I had something I could just put on my tablet, you know, and, and you mentioned this years and years ago, something about a digital macabre, right? Why can't I just have all my stuff and then I can send it to somebody? Um, things like, like your idea, sir, things that that also, uh, came up with really is kind of what materialized into that digital recruiter resource library. Um, so there are some things that are a little bit shorter term and some things that kind of get baked into, into longer term, uh, longer term strategy decisions. Um, but that is the, the forum for all those things. So collateral material, the website, I need a video for X, um, all those types of things. Uh, we're, very rarely able to satisfy everything that we get asked for because the list is pretty extensive, uh, but it at least allows us to identify it, uh, get some stuff on contract, and then I keep the results of that so I can kind of compare, hey, we didn't get this done last year and they're still asking for it, us, for it again this year. So it's, it's a legitimate need. First, I really am grateful to hear six names rattled off for all six districts, which means that every district now has a dedicated marketing chief. Uh, they do. Some of them are, uh, are still being, you know, task organized and utilized elsewhere, which is, is kind of par for the course. Um, as far as I know, uh, I think most of the districts are done at this point. So four of them are going to swap out this coming summer. Uh, but all four of them also have identified replacements, which also makes me feel pretty good about it. So 
Um, yeah, that's good because for, for a long time we were either at a third or half that had them, and which meant the other half didn't, which means those districts would suffer in things like this because they would have no representation for their recruiters or what have you, depending on who's they, who they sent to these annual planning uh, conferences. So that's good. With that said, as much as I'm appreciative that all six of those billets are filled with a Marine, we all have bias. And if I'm out somewhere and 20 recruiters pitch an idea to me, I may shrug them off as, yeah, that's dumb. I'm not taking that to the annual plan. Right. How do we flatten that communication channel? And you mentioned shoot you an email, but where I'm going with this now is you're going to leave. And when you do, your replacement isn't going to have access to your email. So he's only going to, or she's only going to see what you send to them, forward to them, or share with them. How do we create or can we create a Teams channel dedicated to this so that anybody can join that team and launch their idea to make sure that it's at least heard? So I was, uh, I was actually working on this before we started this podcast today, but um, as you're aware, we recently migrated to SharePoint Online. Um, I know that the 6 kind of has this phased rollout plan for everybody, but I'm a nerd, so I got uh, permissions to my Mac stuff already. It's already been built. Um, and on the Micric Mac SharePoint here, probably live within the next two, three hours, uh, there will be a link across the top that just says SMRB feedback. Anybody in the Micric Enterprise will be able to click on that and submit an item for feedback. Um, and whether or not it gets action, once again, you know, we, we get so many. Um, but anybody, whether they're a recruiter, they're a staff CIC, they're an RI, they're a command group member, uh, they'll be able to go there and, and submit an idea for feedback there. And whether or not their district brings it to the table, they'll know that it at least got into the pot. Right. Uh, and you mentioned something earlier. Don't, and I will say this for the listeners, if you go on there and you, and you throw out an idea, hey, we need X, hey, you need to sell the importance of that, the value of that, and why that's important. Because you may not be in that room to sell that idea or explain why it's important. So you have to paint a good word picture so that whoever gets this idea can brief that idea on your behalf and give it the best chance for success and implementation. Yeah, definitely that. And, uh, and I, I've just gotten used to being the bad guy with these conversations, but I have to ask everyone also to consider what the, uh, what the resource trade-off is, right? So uh, it's a zero-sum game. Yeah, we, we get a decent amount of money, but it's not as much as, as many people would think. Uh, the army typically outspends us by four or five times in a given year. Um, so it really comes down to, you know, at the very beginning of this, you said that, uh, and it, it was you that actually told me this when I got up here and, and I was new to this billet and I was super frustrated. Um, I think you caught me in the hallway one day and you said, well, part of being up here is, you know, sometimes you're going to be fo- faced with decisions that are either bad or worse. And you just got to choose the bad one because the worst one is worse. Right. And, uh, a lot of this comes down to that, right? We only have so many dollars um, and it comes into, well, if you want this, what is the other thing that we're not going to be, be able to pay for or choose not to pay for to facilitate that? Um, so to your point about selling the idea, that's why that stuff is crucial because any new idea that we inject, that means we're, we're taking something else off the table to pay for it. So um, we'll make those decisions, but we want to make sure we're making them in, in a way that helps the recruiters and the OSOs on the ground. Um, I'm a big fan of helping them and not necessarily do things that are, are comfort-based decisions for folks that aren't on a mission letter. Um, and that, that's kind of where we keep our focus. But we got to know, you know, if I want Chachki X, it's more valuable to me than, than Chachki Y was. 
Um, otherwise, it's hard to, to rack and stack and prioritize those things. Right. Yeah. Thanks for that uh, detailed explanation on you know the vetting process. And your idea may have been really good. It's just we couldn't pay for it, or the other idea was just a little bit better, and we had to choose one. We couldn't go with both. So thanks for for explaining that process. Uh, I've got no more questions. If you've got nothing, that's it. I'm good, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Listeners out there, if if you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you go and give us a review, give us a thumbs up. Uh, However, you can message that through Spotify or or Apple uh, podcast. That would be great. Also, if you want to come on the show, if you've got any show ideas, some other things that you would like us to go more in detail, send me an email at Christopher.Mayfield at me.com. That's Christopher.Mayfield at me.com. And we'll work to get a subject matter expert on here to unpack whatever topic it is you have. Or if you want to come on the show and talk about something that's near and dear to your heart, love to have you on so our listeners can benefit from your, your wisdom or insight. Other than that, that's it. We'll see you next time. Thank you.